Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the place to be this Saturday, all day and night, as both the Nationals and D.C. United are at home. Nationals Marlins at 4 p.m., D.C. United versus Real Salt Lake at 6 p.m. Register ahead of time at waltersdc.com slash events for a free drink. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But at this point, at 86 pitches, could be his last inning. Next delivery, swung on, hit in the air to deep right. Going, going, and gone goodbye. Kyle Tucker gets a hold of a 1-1 fastball, and it's his ninth home run of the year, RBI number 39. Tucker trotting home, crosses the plate with a second solo homer in the inning. Now the 1-1. Swing a little looping line drive over the leaping Garcia, base hit into right center field. Altuve will score, Brakeman to third, the throw into second. It's 4-0 Astros. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, June 14th, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Minute Maid Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So the Nats on Tuesday night played their first game at the Houston Astros since 2019 World Series Game 7, October 30th, 2019, a 6-2 win at Minute Maid Park in a game in which the Nats overcame a 2-0 7th inning deficit. One of the more remarkable things about the 2019 World Series champion Nats, they won five postseason games in which the team faced elimination, came from behind to win each of those games. Well, remarkably, the Nats on Tuesday night also were down 2-0 in the 7th inning, but uh, this time there was no comeback. A 6-1 loss at the Astros on Tuesday night in Game 1 of a three-game series. The Nats now have lost 10 of their last 13 games and now are 26-39, and 39, second worst record in the National League. Mark, on Tuesday night, could you sense, could you feel the ghosts of 2019 or not so much? I would love to say that I could, Al, but outside of those first four scoreless things from Patrick Corbin, <laughs> there really was nothing else about this game that resembled anything from that night, even down to nothing. I know you're thinking in the back of your mind, okay, well, maybe they could do something here. It just really wasn't meant to be. And you saw on full display the difference in these two lineups. One lineup hit four home runs, all of them solo, by the way. The other lineup hit none. They did hit a couple balls of the warning track, so that was kind of nice. They got that. But it was a struggle for one team to try to get anything going offensively. They had chances. They could not come through in the right spots. 
whereas the other team took full advantage of loud contact. And that's why, among the reasons, why the Astros remain a perennial October contender and why the Nationals are still rebuilding right now. This episode of the Nats Chat Podcast is brought to you by the Bethesda Big Train of the Cal Ripken Senior Collegiate Baseball League. Visit bigtrain.com forward slash tickets. The Nats on Tuesday night, just the one run, a mere six hits, did work three walks, but the six hits were made up of two doubles and four singles. Got out homered, as Mark said, for nothing. Also one for six with runners in scoring positions. Some really frustrating situations in this game, too. Top of the third, runners on second and third, nobody out, Nats don't score. Top of the sixth, runners on first and second, one out, Nats don't score. I mean, it's hard to keep pace with the Astros, but man, those were golden opportunities on which the Nats did not capitalize on Tuesday night. The one in the third inning, I think, was most troublesome because of the end result, but also the process that got them there. So let's run through that one, if you don't mind. You get a leadoff single from Dom Smith and then a nice double from C.J. Abrams. You've got second and third with nobody out and a scoreless game and a chance to take the lead here. And then I'm very interested for your thoughts on what happened next because Alex Call was given the safety squeeze sign. Yes, given the sign by Davey Martinez, and he popped it up. Now the 1-1 to Call. And a bunt try, and it's popped up, and it's going to be caught by Maldonado. Throws to third. Smith dives back in ahead of the throw. The rest of the inning fell apart after that as well. Lane Thomas struck out on a ball in the dirt. That was bad. Luis Garcia hit a weak grounder to first. But the squeeze attempt really stuck out to me, not just for the lack of execution, but for the fact that it was called in the first place. Now, Davey, I asked him about it. He gave a very detailed explanation about this and said that they had done advanced scouting. And in that moment, they saw Jose Abreu, the Astros' first baseman, playing way back on the dirt. And the feeling was if Alex Call just gets the ball down and gets it past the pitcher on the right side of the infield, doesn't matter. Dom Smith's going to score. Dom Smith's not the fastest base runner, I think, if we've, as we've seen this season. It felt to me like it would have required a perfectly executed bunt to have a chance at it. And even if that weren't the case, you've got second and third nobody out and a chance at a bigger inning. And you're playing for one run against the Astros in the third inning. None of that sat really well with me. I'm curious what you thought. I think I know what you thought, but I'm curious to hear you. Yeah, thoughts. I mean, I think you, you just want to wind up the toy and see him dance a little bit here because I think you know where I'm going to go with this. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't stand it. I think the fact that it was based at least in part on advanced scouting maybe makes this a little more palatable and that there was some thought put into it. There was a process to it that wasn't just, hey, we really want to get this one run. But yeah, I've said this to you many times. I will continue to say this to you. This idea of bunting, it pretty much always lowers your run expectancy in an inning. It doesn't heighten the run expectancy. You know, I think it's really tough with Alex Cole right now, though. He's not doing well. He's been exposed. I don't think we've ever looked forward to the return of Victor Robles the way we are these days. And to me at this point, he can't come back soon enough. I mean, I will say this, Lane Thomas striking out, Luis Garcia grounding out to end that inning certainly didn't help. So it's not like that bunt pop out to the catcher, Martin Maldonado, had to ruin the inning, but it certainly felt like that did ruin the inning. Well, while we're talking about the strategy in this game, I actually am interested in your thoughts on this from Davey Martinez. So We know the deal with the Nats bullpen. It isn't very good. And I really haven't hammered Davey that hard for his bullpen management this season because when you're dealing with a bunch of guys who aren't good, what exactly are you supposed to do? That said, I thought it was interesting. So you get a really good outing from Mason Thompson, who's looking better here. Perfect bottom of the sixth with a couple of strikeouts. To begin the bottom of the seventh, Davey Martinez goes with Chad Cool, 
The same Chad Cool, who was uh, demoted from the rotation to the bullpen a few weeks back. Now, at this point, the Nats are only down to nothing. You are coming off an off day, one of many off days in recent days, and your top two relievers, to whatever extent the Nats have top two relievers, Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan, have barely pitched lately. But Davey goes with Chad Cool, and the game ended up unraveling with what happened with Cool and then Thaddeus Ward. This went from a competitive game to, in a lot of ways, a non-competitive game. Bottom of the seventh, Cool allowed two runs. He gave up a leadoff homer by the Astros' number nine batter, Martin Maldonado, to left field for a 3-0 Astros lead. Cool then issued a one-out walk of Jose Altuve, gave up a one-out first pitch opposite field single by Alex Bregman to right field, and gave up a two-out opposite field RBI single by Jose Abreu to right center field for a 4-0 Astros lead. So note, yes, that inning began with the Astros' number nine batter, but you then went to some of the big boys in the Astros lineup. We have seen Davey go to Hunter Harvey in these spots in other games. You're facing the meat of a lineup, the better portion of a lineup. You go to Harvey in an inning other than the ninth. Cool was brought in, gives up the two runs, and then Thaddeus Ward in the bottom of the eighth allowed two runs. Leadoff homer by Chaz McCormick on a 1-2 pitch for a 5-1 Astros lead, then a walk of Jake Myers in a two-out RBI single by Jose Altuve to left on an 0-2 pitch for a 6-1 Astros lead. The Nats only scored one run in this game, so the offense is why they lost. But did you in any way feel like Hunter Harvey or Kyle Finnegan should have been gone to for that seventh inning? I think this is always a fascinating question for this team in particular this year. And we've seen the situation come up where the question is, what does the situation have to be for Davey to go to his A bullpen? Do they have to be ahead? Do there have to be a tie game? Would he do it down a run? In this case, you're down two runs. Game is still, like we said, within reach. And it felt like him saying, eh, we're down two runs. We're going to the B bullpen. We'll just take our chances with that. Chad Cool last pitched on Saturday, so it's not like he had a long layoff. Thad Ward had not pitched in a while, so maybe there's a little bit of like, hey, some of these guys need the work, and if you're not going to use them when trailing by a few runs, when else are you going to use them? I did not ask Davey about it afterwards, but I would guess, and whether he would say it publicly or privately, in the back of his mind, he may be thinking this. They've got Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore pitching the next two games. Those are your best chances in theory at winning. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. We've seen those guys get lit up a little bit here from time to time. And it's always a tricky proposition to play that. Let's save our best relievers for down the road because we might really need them then and then find out, oh, no, wait, we never actually needed them because we never had a lead. So we'll have to see how the next two days play out. But I would guess you put that all together and that's what he's thinking. Maybe down one run, you're like, all right, maybe there's a shot at this. But down two, you're saying to yourself, do I want to burn those guys now? and maybe not have them available to me the rest of the series, whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, both games, whatever that might be. And I do think we've fairly consistently seen him take this approach outside of a must-win situation. He's going to go to the B-bolt pen when trailing by a couple of runs. I don't know that it was the right call. I, part of you wants to say, hey, go give it your best shot. All it may take is one swing in this ballpark and you're back in it. But I would guess that would be the philosophy there that – even at 2 nothing, because of who was pitching the next two days, he felt like it wasn't worth the risk. Yeah, and it is worth noting the Nats on Tuesday night began a stretch of 15 consecutive days without a scheduled off day. The Nats' next scheduled off day is not until Thursday, June 29th. So all of that presumably entered into Davies' thinking. But just in real time watching the game, you know, you say to yourself, all right, 2 nothing in the 7th. 
you know, not just because of Game 7 in 2019, but like this is a game. You know, the Nats are in this game, and it ended up not being a game. The Nats got outscored the rest of the game 4-1 off entering the bottom of the seventh down 2-0. Or at the very least, maybe try Mason Thompson for a second inning. He looked great. And he's had three straight scoreless appearances. This was, I think, the best of them all. One, two, three inning, two strikeouts through 11 of 14 pitches for strikes. We've seen him go multiple innings. Now, maybe there's a concern there that that's what led to his mechanical issues, whatever you think was the problem through much of May. So you don't want to push that. I get that. But that could maybe be a compromise of, hey, here's a guy who just pitched really well. Let's try to squeeze one more inning out of him. Maybe we do score a run now. It's a closer game. And we go the A bullpen after that. Yeah. And, you know, again, Kyle Finnegan has not had a good season. So it's entirely possible he could have pitched on Tuesday night and gotten lit up. Like, we get it. Beyond Hunter Harvey, you can't feel good about anyone in this bullpen. But, you know, I don't know that Chad Cool in the bottom of the seventh of a close game at the Astros is exactly where you want to be. But again, one run, that was what the Nats scored in this game. Treat the whole family to a fun night of baseball with the Bethesda Big Train at Shirley Povich Field. Big Train Baseball is the perfect mix of small-town charm and big league talent right here in Bethesda's Cabin John Regional Park. The Big Train are excited to introduce the Kids Fun Zone this year, which includes moon bounces, games, and prizes for kids of all ages. Visit BigTrain.com forward slash tickets to reserve your seats for tonight's game and all other home games throughout June and July. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, we all know what summer means. Uh, Summer means baseball. Summer usually means more home runs in baseball, but uh, summer also means heat and humidity and your energy bills being rather high due to your air conditioning working extra innings. It is time to beat the heat with Window Nation's summer sale. Save thousands of dollars with an outstanding offer. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. All you have to do is call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Increase the value of your home by up to $12,000. Hey, make your neighbors jealous. Who doesn't want to do that? Again, the Window Nation Summer Sale. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years. Plus, two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And this goes for any style of window from Window Nation. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Nat's Chat is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Check out their selection of shorts and pants that come with the comfort of built-in liners. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Go to birddogs.com pool and enter promo code pool, P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Are you looking for tickets to an upcoming event? DC might not have been on the Taylor Swift circuit, but still plenty of other events in the nation's capital, such as the Ed Sheeran concert in a few weeks in Landover. That's why you should download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. 
You get cheaper tickets, and it helps the podcast a bit. Sounds like a smooth 643 double play. Again, create an account and redeem the code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Terms apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Left-hander rocks, kicks, and deals. Swing and a line drive left field deep. This one way back, and it is gone. It clears the Crawford boxes, 19-foot wall, and into the seats above. Mauricio Dobon with his third home run of the year, and the Astros on the board here in the bottom of the fifth inning. It's Houston 1 and Washington nothing. The Nats starting pitcher on Tuesday night was, uh, of course, a big hero from that 2019 World Series, Patrick Corbin. I thought a mixed outing for him, although the run prevention was pretty good. Two runs in five innings. He issued five walks. That was problematic. He also had a hard time throwing strikes. 91 pitches, 49 strikes versus 42 balls. But Corbin gave up just four hits, two solo homers, a double, and a single. Uh, And he did have five strikeouts. Uh, All of the runs that Corbin allowed came in the bottom of the fifth, during which he allowed two runs on two solo homers. He gave up a leadoff homer by Mauricio Dubon to left field for a 1-0 Astros lead and gave up a two-out solo homer by Kyle Tucker to right field for a 2-0 Astros lead. Now, also in the inning was Corbin issuing a walk of Jose Altuve, but uh, Corbin then picked him off, and Altuve got caught on an attempted steal of second base for the second out. So you're not great from Corbin, but you know, all things considered, not too bad. And uh, he kind of remains in this place of a lot better than these last two seasons. He's certainly not killing it, but he is giving you a chance to win. I mean, as we just discussed, the Nats were in this game into the latter innings. Yeah, I think on the Corbin sliding scale that we've been using all year, this was right where you kind of hope he would be. You would love for him to be better than that. You'd love for him to go out there and dominate, but you also understand that that's not very likely these days to happen, certainly not against a really good lineup like this. So I thought he was fine. The walks were surprising. He's really done a better job at putting the ball over the plate and trying to induce weak contact. Now, it doesn't always work. He's given up a lot of hits, but he has not been beat by the walk that much. Now, he really wasn't beat by the walk in this case because he had two solo homers. Uh, the walks had nothing to do with it. So that was a little bit of an oddity to this. He made pitches when he had to. I've got to believe deep down somewhere in his subconscious, he took the mound and thought to himself, hey, last time I was here was the greatest moment of my professional life. I can do this here. And by the way, he had pitched really well here many times. You had to go all the way back to his rookie season with the Diamondbacks in 2012 to find the last time that he had given up a run at Minute Maid Park. There were a couple of starts and a couple of the famous relief appearances in the World Series in there. He had 16 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings in this ballpark. So there's something that must have felt comfortable to him here. And I would hope he was able to channel at least a little bit of that in those early innings. And he gave him a chance. And I think nowadays, that's really all you can ask. Anything more than that would be lovely, but I don't think anybody can realistically expect that on a regular basis. So you come out of that and give up two runs to the Astros. Hey, good on you. You gave him a chance. It's up to the other guys to now take advantage of it. You know, I'm not huge on like constantly revisiting 2019. I think you have to move forward and especially with what's happened with the Nats, like a lot has changed since then. It's four years now. Like the focus, I think, really should be on the rebuild and where this team is headed and what hopefully are brighter days ahead. But, you know, you think about Corbin and what he did in 2019 and what has happened with him since then. And I wonder what goes through his mind because it's got to be impossible for him 
in making this trip to Houston and playing this game at Minute Maid Park on Tuesday night. Again, the Nats' first game at the Astros since 2019 World Series Game 7. How could he not think about these last four years and what's happened and why what has happened has happened and not just sort of shake your head of like, you know, how did I get here? How did this happen? Because, you know, in theory, right, Corbin, he should be the ace of this staff. You know, maybe he'd be falling off a little bit. But as we've discussed with him, it's not like this guy's like 38 years old. Like he's actually still not that old. He still could be a very good starting pitcher. And it's just remarkable what has happened with him. And I got to think that those thoughts crossed his mind over these last 24, 48 hours. Yeah, he's human. He has to. <laughs> he has to feel that, of course. And, he, you know, he admitted that standing out there when he walked into the ballpark, a lot of memories came flooding back to him. He said once he got out there, you focus on what you're trying to do. And maybe the rest of the week when he's not pitching, he'll think more about it. But yeah, you have to. I mean, it's amazing. He is the only guy on the current active roster who was a part of the World Series roster. That's crazy to think about. Now, Victor Robles would be if he was off the IL. He's maybe only a few days away. By the way, Victor Robles hit two homers and a double for Rochester. Maybe a sign that we are going to see him here fairly soon. Robles, Tanner Rainey, who is still a couple months away. Obviously, Sean Doolittle and Steven Strasburg are the other ones still in the organization. But I mean, that is pretty crazy to think. I understand every team's going to go through some turnover. And let's be clear, the Astros themselves, this is a very different team than we saw on that night in 2019 with a few notable exceptions. But it's crazy to me that Patrick Corbin, Davey Martinez, Mike Rizzo, a couple of coaches, a few other people around the organization, and that's it. That's still here. And it's three and a half years later. It was definitely something that you couldn't help but think about when you showed up at the ballpark here today. It's nuts, right? Because since the 2019 World Series, obviously, we have had COVID. We have had the very unique 2020 MLB season. We've had everything that has happened with the Nats. We've had everything that has happened with the Astros, the scandal. Both teams, as you just talked about, have undergone major changes, like so much has changed since that 2019 World Series just to punctuate a few things with the Nats offense in this game. So like we said, just one run. Lane Thomas did get on base three times, so that was good. Two for three with a double, a single, and a walk. Luis Garcia had an RBI single. He and that Nats one run eighth, a two-out RBI single to center field on an 0-2 pitch to cut the Nats deficit to 4-1. But you had some rough nights for some key Nats. KB Ruiz is not in a good place right now. Uh, he went 0 for 4. Joey Manessis 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts. Jamer Candelario 0 for 3 with a walk and three strikeouts. There's almost like a feast or famine aspect with the Nats offense here lately. When it's good, it's been really good. But we have seen a decent number of games during this stretch of 10 losses and 13 games in which the Nats offense, in a lot of ways, has reverted to what it was earlier this season, in which uh, just not much was happening with the offense. Here's the thing that'll tell you everything you know about this one. Through four innings of this game, the Nationals only made one out on a ball hit in the air. That was Alex Call's popped up bunt. So they did not hit the ball to the outfield in the air. And then they had a couple of hits, you know, a double and a single. So they did reach the outfield, but they did not make an out in the air. There were a lot of ground balls, a lot of quick outs again, which we've seen from time to time. This team does not seem to understand how to stay patient the plate. Davey was talking about their approach against Hunter Brown, the Astros starter, who's got a good arm. He throws like 97, that it felt like at times they were sitting on breaking stuff or off-speed stuff. And so they were late on the fastball. And he noted how many foul balls they hit over the third base dugout, the left-handed batters. That's a sign of being late, not ready for a fastball. He has continuously preached the idea of 
sit on a fastball, especially early in the count. You get a good fastball, go after it. Don't look for the breaking balls. You adapt to that. But if you get a fastball and it's in the strike zone, take a whack at that. And he felt like they did not do a good enough job of that at all in this game. Something else with the Astros. So obviously their manager is uh, a former national, Dusty Baker, but their general manager is this guy, Dana Brown. He became the GM this past January 25th. The Astros, in case you didn't follow this, had a very strange situation with James Click. I mean, here you have the Astros winning the World Series and end up parting with their general manager and Click. That was a bizarro circumstance from this past offseason. But in case you don't know, Dana Brown was with the Nats, or I guess I should say Nats organization for years. He was the director of scouting for the National slash Montreal Expos for nine seasons, 2001 through 2009. And, you know, you think about those years, right? Those were the years in which the Nats took the likes of, you know, Ian Desmond and Ryan Zimmerman and Steven Strasburg. So kind of interesting to see Dana Brown now as a GM for the Astros. Now, you know, since then, he's been with other teams. He was with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was with the Atlanta Braves. But good for him for getting this GM job. And I don't know how much you know him or came across him, but I mean, he certainly was a part of the building up of the Nats in the uh, decade of the aughts. Oh, absolutely. You know, remember, they didn't bring that many people over from Montreal. There are a handful of them, but a good number of them left. Remember, Omar Minaya was the GM and he left to go to the Mets. He took some people with him. Some people stayed back in Montreal or went to other organizations. Dana was one of the key members of that franchise who stayed with it and always was well-respected for his job as a scouting director. The 2005 draft, the first in Nationals history, is one of the all-time great drafts top to bottom, not just Ryan Zimmerman. But they also drafted that year John Lannon, Craig Stammen, Justin Maxwell, Marco Estrada, who had a nice career, not necessarily with the Nats, but he did have a career. It was a really effective draft, the kind of draft we have not seen from this organization in a very long time. So Dana was always very well respected. He left to go back to Toronto, where Alex Anthopoulos was the GM. The two of them had worked together in Montreal. Alex originally came from the Expos. And then years later, when Anthopoulos became the Braves GM, he brought Dana over there to join him. So a lot of people in the game, myself included, was excited for Dana that he got the Astros GM job. Now, let's be clear. This is not a typical GM's job. Okay, This is an organization that the owner really runs the show in Jim Crane. And that led to a lot of the issues with James Click and why inexplicably he was let go after winning a World Series. So I don't know how much real say Dana Brown has in the Astros and their major decisions and day-to-day operations. But if nothing else, a lot of people were glad to see somebody who really worked his way up the ladder and earned his way up to getting a top spot in an organization. And as you can see, it's still a very good team. So he must know something about what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, if you just match up his tenures with teams versus who the teams drafted during those tenures, I mean, you see some impressive things. He was with the Braves 2019 to 2022 as the vice president of scouting. Braves during that time took like Michael Harris II, took Spencer Strider. So, you know, either it's a grand coincidence or this guy is a part of uh, some operations that know what the heck they're doing. So a salute to Dana Brown. Well, you tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can always email the podcast. Always love hearing from you. Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, we'd love to have you on board. Email Tim Shover, see what we can do for you. Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. Check out our new website as well. Nats chat podcast 
NatsChatter.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chatter, courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the music of the Nats Chat podcast. Visit timnewmark.com. Thank you to our sponsor for this installment of the Nats Chat podcast. We're brought to you by the Bethesda Big Train of the Cal Ripken Senior Collegiate Baseball League. Visit bigtrain.com forward slash tickets. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast. And in honor of the Nats playing their first game at the Astros since 2019 World Series Game 7, we're going to leave you with this uh, terrific voice memo from Dean Schleicher regarding memories from October 2019. One of my favorite memories from the Nationals World Series run came during the first inning of Game 4 of the NLCS against the Cardinals. The Nationals were going for the sweep in front of a rabid home crowd. The moment that stands out most to me was when Victor Robles came up to bat. The Nationals had an early 2-0 lead and the bases were loaded. Robles sent a sky-high fly ball toward shallow right near the foul line. And St. Louis right fielder Jose Martinez, who was only playing for his offensive bat, well, he charged in, but he failed to properly take charge. And that ball dropped right in front of three converging Cardinals. It was a classic Bermuda Triangle situation. Uh, StatCast data shows that that Robles pop fly had an expected batting average of 30.030. So that ball was an out 97% of the time, uh, but not this time. A run scored, it loaded the bases, and I cackled like a hyena. I laughed like a movie villain. It just sent me into a state of euphoria. And all of those base runners came into score later that inning. The Nationals led 7-0 after the first. And that had me feeling something that I'd never felt before in my life. The feeling of, my team is headed to the World Series. We all remember Davey Martinez's Bumpy Rhodes quote, but after that game, when asked about his health, he said, these guys cured my heart. My heart feels great right now. Well, Davey, during the first inning of that game, my heart felt great too. One ball, two strikes. Bases loaded, one out, two runs home, bottom of the first. Here's the pitch. Swing and a pop-up. Shallow right toward the line. Out goes Goldschmidt and Wong in the right field of Martinez coming in. And the ball drops! In from third is Soto to score. Everyone moves up one base. Robles on at first. Unbelievable! It's the Nationals three in the car.